Thurber? 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 Yeah. Thurber? Thurber. Lead programmer suffered nightmares about a nuclear holocaust. Holocaust. While creating the game. Actually, Missile Command is also one of one of the um, earliest games I can recall playing in the arcade. There's Missile Command, Star Wars, Pole Position, Spy Hunter. Oh, when does this come out? When is Spy Hunter? I still never played. Huh. What the fuck? Are what you the kidding hell me? Is the matter is with you? Good? I mean, the is it good? Dude, it's one of the greatest the, games ever it's made. It's the best game we have. It's in one of opinion, it's. I don't, it's I don't the best think I've actually played it either. <laughs> what? I don't think I've actually played it either. At least not like I've played it like a couple times. Dude, what are you guys kidding me? Not like a lot. What is this, Seamus? Dude, I just I played Missile Command. I go up there, I play fucking a game of Robotron. I play. Oh, that's okay. Spy Hunter is Missile Command. Listen, Robotron's a great pick, but the freaking Spy Hunter is just. You have the fucking gas pedal. You have the wheel. You know, when the arcade comes back. I'm gonna put yeah, Spy Hunter front and center. Right Dude, you should just put. Oh yeah, when the put in front. Just put out Spy Hunter. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else. <laughs> Nothing else. Spy Hunter. Line up for Spy Welcome Hunter. Ten dollars to, to get in. Mm-hmm. You know. Ten dollars to play. To play Spy Hunter. Yeah, I think it was those. Fifteen dollars per play. Those like four. Did they ever make like a, like a sit down Spy Hunter version? I wish. There is, I believe, a Probably sit down is. Wicked Rare. Sit down, yeah. cockpit spy hunter. I mean, that, that would be cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Again, super expensive. <laughs> you want to sell your house? <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. one of the more expensive. Or you, well, that probably was one, car. It's car. That was one of Not the more level. expensive purchases we right made for bat, for probably. the exhibit. Yeah, I got that in a lot with. Um, I got that, our double dragon, and well, my double dragon, and the museums. The Museum of Spy Hunter and the Museum of Tetris and Double Dragon I got in a lot in, in Pennsylvania. But they were all fully restored, you know, so they all looked yeah. the way they looked, like pretty and nice and working well, whatever. Yeah, and, and those um, three machines you just mentioned are arguably oh, some of the cleanest cabinets that we Yeah, owned. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, Spy Hunter is just gorgeous. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. It's a good-looking cab. Yeah. Good looking cab. Yeah. It is a good-looking cab. It's a beautiful Such cabinet. Such a beautiful cabinet. Missile Command I got. Missile Command I got in Jersey from Richie Knuckles. I think he got us our Missile Command. Um, I just love that cabinet too because it's so short and stout. You know, its design is really Dude, the roll cool. is the Missile is Command. What makes yeah. it? Yeah. I, I love, love the trackball. You hate the trackball. Really? I'm sorry. I love sorry. the trackball. You, you, you gotta go. Really? <laughs> I love I love no the classic trackball for classic golden age games. Oh yeah. Centipede, millipede, crazy cat. Right. Uh, yeah. Crazy is it crazy cat? Crystal crazy castles. Crystal castles. Um, and missile command. And missile command. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think my issue is that I started playing missile command on like an Atari plug and play. <laughs> so and with I, the joystick. Oh, and I was just really good with the. Did joystick. you ever play Marble Madness in the arcade? No. That's trackball too. It's wicked fun. Are we recording right now? Oh yeah, we've been rolling for a little oh, bit. Beautiful. Okay. Some of that yeah, we could throw some of that in. Um, this is a shooting the shit. This is work. It's all staying in. Huh? This is all staying in. Jake's like, it's all staying in. It's all staying in. <laughs> Not cutting I'm anything. Editing everything. <laughs> talking. Sick of editing. No <laughs> more editing. It's just gonna be four so, hours of us talking. We're at episode nine. Episode okay. Nine. Take us away, Chris. 
So episode 9, the Cold War Arcade. This episode will be talking mainly about Missile Command, but I'm sure we'll be talking about a little bit of the other Cold War Arcade games. So Missile Command is launched in 1980, uh, and it begins as a lead programmer, David Thurber. Thurber. <laughs> Screw it. Uh, David Thurber has uh, constant nightmares Actually, this reminds me of a story about James Cameron and the Terminator okay. uh, series where that was also based on a nightmare that he has. But the lead programmer has these constant nightmares about a nuclear holocaust and decides to create this game, which is essentially about that. He's creating a game where you're uh, defending against an endless wave of missile barrages, attacking multiple cities, and you have multiple missile bases with which to defend your cities. Um the original idea was to represent uh one how many cities are there i believe three, four three. five six seven three, six, six it's not three i think it's six there's three batteries there's three missile batteries okay the <laughs> the original idea is to represent six cities in California yeah. uh, and the West Coast, but yeah, he so sort he of takes those out so that people can more identify it with their nearby cities and stuff like that. Yeah, he designs it um, basing it upon Eureka, San Fran, San Luis, Santa Barbara, L.A., and San Diego. So this is obviously hitting home for him, this Cold War anxiety, you know, right. the nightmares. Um, the fact that he develops this game out of the Cold War and out of a nightmare, and apparently he continues to have the nightmares well after the game is released and years after the game is done, developed, and out in arcades. Um, fairly successful game, I think, the first year or it's over its lifetime, it's 20,000 or 25,000 cabinets sold, which is a really, really, really great number. And we were just chatting before. It's one of the earliest games I can remember playing in the arcade. It was uh, Missile Command, Star Wars, Spy Hunter, and Pole Position. And Missile Command was just this frantic game of defense. You know, you're defending yourself the entire time. Firing up the missiles at missiles that are splitting as the game gets harder, right? Mm -hmm. Missiles are splitting. You're firing your missiles from your base. And they are, uh, the missiles are, once they're hitting within the target range where you put your target at with the awesome giant huge trackball, and you press fire and you fire a missile, there's, a, there's almost like a concussion blast, right? That happens yeah, for like it, a yeah, second or two. Out. It expands out, whatever. Um, interesting that you brought up James Cameron with Terminator mm -hmm. because Missile Command is in John Connor, played by Edward Furlong oh, in Terminator oh, 2. Oh, in that arcade? In he is, he oh, plays wow. Missile Command in T2, in Terminator 2, released obviously years later. And it's almost kind of like uh, an homage to the film's theme of, you know, nuclear war yeah, is going right. to happen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. So it's interesting that you brought up Cameron because yeah. I didn't know that about Cameron and Terminator. Oh, yeah. and I would 100% believe that Cameron probably heard that story and put it's that possible. game in there on purpose. Definitely. Yeah. I also fitting. think, I also, 
I'm not sure if it was James Cameron or his wife because his wife did write most of that movie. Really? Okay, see, yes. I didn't know that. All I know about the James Cameron thing, if anybody didn't know, he was making Piranha 2, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is his yeah. first credited director role, if you don't know. Uh, Piranha 2, and he had like food poisoning on the set or whatever. And he uh, had this like basically fever dream of this like metal skeleton coming out of like fire to get him. And that's sort of at the very end of Terminator when the Arnold Terminator blows up in the gas explosion. Yeah, he, that's the wrong. image that he, you know, he has concept art that he painted of it. So it, you know, it's not the full script, but that image. And th- I think if I'm remembering the T2 scene correctly, you see the ending screen of Missile Command, which is probably one of the like earliest kind of terrifying endings where you just get this giant red fireball and it just oh, says yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, it's such a, you know, I mean, it, one of the things that I love about Missile Command, and this doesn't seem like something you might love, but is that you never feel like you're getting ahead. You're always no. playing defense. Yeah. You're never like winning. You're always either you're just always getting by. Slightly losing. Exactly, because yep. you're playing defense. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. There. And again, the ending is just the end. That's it. Everybody's dead. The end it, screen is is actually uh, the end credit screen for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Is oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I never the, knew that. The right end. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. The end is used. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But getting back to the idea of it being terrorizing, um, that was like my first memory of playing like a video game. It was on the PlayStation One. My dad had like <laughs> it was in the computer room, so like I had the computer room, and then the PlayStation One was you know sort of by it. My dad's playing like Pink Floyd, Mother. I remember hearing that song, Mother. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny how the lyrics go, Mother, will, will they drop the bomb? And you're playing oh, the game okay, yeah, and the yeah. missiles are hitting these cities. So that you're was like, always a I'm very scary game bombs. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, like, tech aspect about the game. There's different settings for playing. So for, like, a world record setting, there's marathon settings. And then apparently oh, there's oh, your God. tournament settings. And your marathon settings is something I've always found interesting when I you know, research or read about certain video games, whatever. I guess marathon settings is however long you can play and however many points you can get, whatever. And one of the first marathon settings is apparently in 1981. Uh, somebody plays the game at a uh, at a gas station eatery in Florida. And they play the game on one quarter for 30 hours. <laughs> and they score over 41 God. million points. It's oh 91. Those stories on are just insane. Missile command? <laughs> on Missile Command. And then Those then, stories are just insane. And then in 2013, this Swedish dude apparently does over 81 million points <laughs> live on Twitch. He does a Twitch stream okay. 56 hours straight. That See, that, that makes a little playing, more sense to me. Yeah, that um, makes more sense. But yeah, still, like, like okay, which is crazy. It's unforgiving, it's just man. Yeah. it's yeah. just amazing wow. to me that someone would be in a gas station oh. in for Florida 30 hours. Oh, for thirty, 30 hours, hours playing oh, Missile yeah. Florida. I could fucking yeah. believe I, it. Well, I mean, <laughs> on a quarter. I know, on a single I mean, quarter. On a single quarter. Like, wouldn't you get bored of like yeah. standing in this gas yeah. station hey, hey, after? You, it's yeah. called getting eight your, hours. It's called getting your yeah, money's worth. Yeah. But twenty five cents in exactly twenty five single cents. Like you'd think after four hours, like I don't know. Anyway, check your watch. Like, wait a minute, I've been here for twelve hours. It was the I was same supposed time to play missile command. Here. Yeah, did I miss a whole day? Exactly. <laughs> I missed uh, picking up the kids from school. Exactly. <laughs> or the guy who owns the gas station would be like, "Buddy, get out! I'm, I'm closing. Close. <laughs> I've been open for thirty hours. Exactly. Jesus. 
Yeah, and I had never really <laughs> been into, you know, oh, you know, high scores or records or whatever sure. with my history research with the arcade, whatever, until I came across a couple that were really standouts, you know, and one of those is um they did like a documentary about it years ago. I don't I've never even watched it, whatever, but it's on the game. Um, it's on the Rockola. Rockola made it. It's on the Rockola game Nibbler, mm-hmm. oh, I know, yeah, which I built. I built our Nibbler upstairs, and um, really good game actually. It's I a really great like it. game. Yeah, Very well, underrated game. Yeah. Maze game, whatever. Is that the one that's like? A, it's kind of like a mix between it's like Pac-Man Millipede and Snake. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's Pac Man Snake. Yeah. But it's uh, it's. Mm-hmm. One of the first games to feature nine-digit score, hmm. you can get a billion points. And wow. then uh, this kid back in the '80s, Tim McVeigh, he scored over a billion points um, while he had played continuously for 44 hours. Jesus Christ! On the game, <laughs> and I was always like, "Well, how that you know um, something like Nibble or whatever? How do you whatever?" And I guess when you get a certain amount of points or whatever, you get, you know, you get extra guys, right? Yeah. You get, okay. you get one up lives, right? You get right. extra lives. Or oh, yeah. yeah. So you would just, so uh, the way that this guy would do this would be get a ton of extra lives, whatever, right? right? Um, and then go take his bathroom break and just keep dying. Right, right. Because oh. he doesn't need, because he doesn't need it. Because he right. stacked his lives. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is. But going back I mean, to Missile insane. Command, how the hell would that work? How do you do that well, Missile I'm, Command? Because it's in the settings. Yeah, yeah, it's in the settings. Okay, okay. Well, because like, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of it as maybe Nibbler, because like, I'll, yeah, I'll bring up Yars Revenge, right? Like, I tried to get like uh, over a million points in Yars Revenge. <laughs> took me three hours to, to get there. The it score rolled over. It was a plug-and-play device. Awful story. But anyway, Nothing but so you can only get nine lives in Yard's Revenge, right? Even if you keep like getting the the one up, like, so you're supposed to get more lives, they don't stack. You got nine. Oh, so so with nice. Nibbler. Because it, count, it count, would, yeah. can't count double digits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So with Nibbler, it probably either had a double digit counter or it just would, in the computer, it would register. Right. Like they have like 50 extra lives, but it would just say nine. Oh, so it actually gets to that number, but it's yeah. only going to show you nine. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Gotcha. So it'll say nine, and then you die like ten times, and, and it still says nine. Okay, says, I got yeah. you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting. And for um, anyone who has played Missile Command, it's a play for that. It's just, oh yeah, it's in, it's intense it's, after playing for just ten minutes. Right. It's I let mean, it's alone insane. over a day. <laughs> 30 hours. Yeah, I mean, if somebody's wow. having a heart attack playing Berserk, fucking. It's true. It's true. They have three heart attacks playing <laughs> Missile Command. Command. <laughs> then you get to the ending. Um, three for each ending. battery. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I, I wish the ending just said, like, like the end. You and your friends are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone like you the, know. Uh, the Friday the 13th uh, NES. Oh, like, that's right. Screen. Yes. <laughs> Dude, like, that, that was great. <laughs> I remember playing that for the first time, and you're like, wow, they actually just admitted that my friends are dead. It's controversial also at the time, guys, because you have to realize, like, uh, Thor is, while he's designing it, he's representing, you know, uh, California coastal cities, right? Sure. Uh, Eureka, I believe, is, I think Eureka is up by... I think it's Washington. No, Eureka is up is by California. Okay. California. It's up by Redwoods National Park in California. Um of course, L.A., San Diego, of course, Santa Barbara, of course. 
But this is obviously Russia sending nukes over to right. America, to California, to the right? Yeah. To the West Coast. So even with the removal of the names of the cities and everything else like that, everyone who's playing this game at that time realizes that and knows that, that this is, well, you're defending, you know, your city, your town against yeah. uh, a Russian attack, whatever. So when it's ported to um, I was Atari 2600 say. in 81, okay, um, the instruction manual is, uh, oh, it's a, it's a war between two planets right. uh, called Zardon and Crytal. Yeah, they make it an alien thing. Exactly. Right. So they make it an Even alien though thing for the home port because they're like, we don't want to put it out there that Russia's attacking us and, yeah. you know. Got to play friends. Right. Even right. though, well, I mean, that's also, you want to talk about Cold War politics. That's the detente era. Of course. That's just before Reagan gets in, who kind right of restarts the Cold in. War yeah. um, or reignites, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, so in that era, it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't, you know. And also it's, you know, it's frightening to people, obviously, to, to have that represented kind of thing. So uh, yeah, the, I was just going to say the Atari manual makes it this fictional war between right. these two alien races. But, you know, there's Boeing 747s flying. or not 747s, but there's, you know, obviously jetliners flying yep. in front of the missiles. And yep. the art for the Missile Command cartridge, which I have, still has some guy yeah. sitting at a control panel. Like exactly. It's, it's not an alien exactly. or anything. They, they, you are, yeah. you sure as a player a are control. Right, and they have yeah. the UFOs floating yeah. around, which... Yeah. Which, another thing, bringing up Russia and UFOs. Okay. <laughs> so some of the earliest documented cases of uh, UFOs were supposedly Russian aircrafts that they were trying to mess with the United States. I believe that. Like, I so, believe that. So supposedly they put uh, mutated animals <laughs> on board that had, like, fucked up limbs and shit. <laughs> and, and that's what was on, like, the, the ship when they found it. So they were like, what the fuck is this? But I remember that. I, I, I mean, that could yeah. be complete mal- malarkey it's i was told that when i was a kid okay but this is Could a completely be, but i'll buy it this yeah, is a completely I different podcast it. right now I but <laughs> fair enough welcome back to info War. right exactly <laughs> <Fire supplements. laughs> i'm not giving the soviet union props here <laughs> yeah, i mean not for ufo technology yeah. at least <laughs> for me um honestly guys i mean you can argue with me on it whatever but missile command is a game that i will always go back to and pick up and play it's a game that, for me, I never tire of that game. There's a lot of games that I tire of. There's a lot of games that if I play them on the arcade long enough, I'm like, all right, I'm done, and I won't go back to it. I won't go back to a cabinet for like a year because I'm like, I'm over it, whatever. But that game, and I don't know if it's because it's one of the earliest video games ever played or it's just because the design of the game period and the gameplay itself are, to me... They're they're pretty perfect for that for that oh, for that yeah. time period. That yeah. game is pretty perfect. No, those, I uh, completely agree. Are those like the uh, what are they volcano buttons? What do we call those fucking things? I mean, I call them the Atari volcano buttons. Yeah, yeah because yeah, like those game. buttons was on asteroid and stuff. If yeah. if that game didn't have those buttons, it wouldn't work. Would be no, half as good. It would be yeah. half as right because yeah. they're like a trigger. Like you're standing. Like, yeah. you're, it's like right, you're they feel the very industrial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're sitting at the controls. Of your missile defense, yeah. and you're pressing that Atari volcano and button. That feels legit, man. That feels legit. And the trackball. The trackball. Oh, oh. Controlling and that's why the crosshairs. <laughs> I mean, you are the commander of that right. base, dude. Yeah. Of course. 
this is one of the things is even even to this day, the graphics, whatever, they can be replicated on your cell phone. But honestly, that con or that arcade machine is still something you can't play at home because no. you can't have a track. You can't connect a trackball to your 360. No. No. I'm sure you can. But it's like two hundred dollars to yeah, get like the X arcade, and it's probably a piece of shit, <laughs> and it probably ball. sucks. And also, you can't get those buttons. Nope. You know, no. even if you get a nice uh, plunger volcano, right? It, it's fantastic. not the same, right? And yeah. you know, that's one of the things is I love that machine because again, it's even with all the graphics we can represent, you don't have a trackball on your. And yeah, you and know, even on, even on with all the modern port. the modern versions of Missile Command that have come out. You know, they all look great, whatever. Right. They all look beautiful. They're amazing looking. They're all revamped and brand new and modern, whatever. But you're right. There's something about playing that specific game on right. the arcade. Yeah. yeah. In the arcade, on the arcade, whatever you want to say, but with that control panel. I feel the same way. Honestly, I feel the same way with... Um, Many of my favorite trackball games, I feel the same way with Millipede, Centipede, mm -hmm. Centipede Crystal yeah. Castles. Sure. I feel the same way with it. Sure. Um, but definitely with Missile Command. Yeah, you're yeah. totally right about very that. Satisfying. You cannot replicate that at home. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the trackball. Yeah. We've had this discussion many times, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. any game with a trackball, I'm there for. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And talking about the first of like the arcade age, we're going back to again now, since it's Missile Command, this is something that people could relate to. This is like one of the first right. times you're playing a game that could seriously become real life sure. at any moment. Oh, we're, we're in the middle of the Cold War. Sure. It's commonplace talk on the TV every night in 1980 through through the late 80s into 91 with the, you know, after the fall of Berlin Wall right. and everything. This is dinner. This is dinner table conversation in the fa am amongst families in the United States. And that's Cold War. Yeah. only dinner. You go to well, school, duck and cover. Well, oh. of course, I was going to say, I don't know how really common it was yeah. by the 80s, but you had bomb drills. You'd, yeah, I mean, ICBM probably drills. not yeah, in the, the 80s. 80s but probably not that common. I mean, look, still. Yeah. my cafeteria in my public school in Queens, grade school well, in Queens. Well, they had bomb shelters, too. Yeah, the fallout it, shelters. Yeah, there was fallout shelters, shelters yeah. signs right. because it was a heavy-duty concrete building. Right. There was fallout shelters that then led you into the basement of that building. Mm -hmm. Those signs were there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just strange and weird to think about. Yeah. Even for me, when I went to elementary school, I had fallout shelter signs still. Yeah, for the yeah. Basement as well. they're yeah. still up in most they're of the public schools. Too. It was fun. <laughs> it so was. We were speaking <laughs> about Missile Command for the Cold War games. What other Cold War games have we, uh, have we yet to mention? I don't know. I'm stumped. That's a good I question. Myself. We have to cut that fucking question out. <laughs> <laughs> this is all well, staying. No, we're we're in the beginning we mentioned it's it that way. In. So I was thinking, is there other ones that we can mention? Stump the Seamus. <laughs> Stump the Seamus. Stump me. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, good question. Let's see. Uh, Tempest. <laughs> Tempest. Tempest is a Cold War game. Yes. So apparently, little known fact. There is a sequel. Really? Yeah. Apparently, there's a two-player version of Missile Command, Missile Command 2, that was uh, field-tested in uh, Santa Clara, California, but then it was never, uh, it was never put out. So oh, there was like, there was this. like, you know, they made a, they built, they built a prototype, put it in maybe like a larger Missile Command type cabinet, and um, 
then it never came out. I think it says that the game was similar, but each player had their own cities and batteries, but huh. they could cooperate to save each other's cities from the oh, from the onslaught. That of, sounds interesting. Missiles, like which is kind of cool. You know, I I find that interesting a lot of time too because you do you do come across that in the history of certain arcade games where you're like, oh yeah, there was a part two that, but it was just, they you know, field tested and then they never, right. but um, yeah, I just realized that about, about Missile Command, which is hmm. uh, very interesting. Is there, can you play it? Is there like a leaked beta or something of it maybe? I don't know. We'd, play it we'd on have to look that up. Okay. You know? That'd be interesting. I mean, people do consider that, uh, Again, when I say rare game, um, can't really trust that. When I say rare game, I mean rare for me, meaning I have not seen it out in the wild. Right. And meaning that Seamus, I have not personally played it on an arcade cabinet. But Liberator, uh, also released by Atari, is supposed to be somewhat of a, of a spiritual successor or, or sequel to, to Missile Command. Um, in Liberator... You're the one in space shooting down at the bases. Mm. Oh, so okay. it's like reversed. Mm. Okay. You're not defending. You're That's interesting. You're the offender. You're the aggressor. Interesting you're the aggressor. Liberator. Liberator. Right. Yeah. Liberator exactly. when right. you're That's annihilating a, cities. Right. That's right. interesting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For that time, too. Maybe. Think about that. Right. Maybe, maybe yeah. there were uh, maybe there was a few communists yeah. over no. at Atari. Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. well... <laughs> And, and, and it had possible. Missile Command 3D for the ever so amazing and beautiful and popular shit show that was Atari Jaguar. Oh, so that's, yeah, you that's had a, a quality missile, console. Yeah, you had a Missile Command 3D apparently Ugh, for the Atari that's Jaguar. Awful. Yeah, I mean, um, that's. So I don't that's think you could say enough bad things about that console, but <laughs> well, know. that's something I kind of wanted to talk about, not the Atari Jaguar. Uh, nobody wants to talk about that. But the idea that uh, some of these games, like uh, I'm thinking about Pac-Man, which we did our last episode on. Pac-Man has kind of continued on. I mean, there's the Pac-Man World games. He's in Smash, you know, whatever. Uh, but I feel like Missile Command has not, and obviously there's no character in Missile Command that you can, like, market, but it hasn't, like, made the transition into like the modern day cuz uh, even if you play it on a new console it's just a port of the first game right there's no like sequel yeah. to missile command other right. than like you said liberator but right. there's no like missile command 3D or not a good one anyway right which right. I, I just find interesting centipede yeah. is kind of similar there's yeah. a centipede 3D on the mm-hmm. dreamcast i think it's just one of those um, games where it would feel like a mistake right know, yeah you, and it's one of those some things, things you don't touch some of those early as games as you just can't can't do anything yeah. no you can't right. i mean yeah. and you know <clears throat> listen later in its life atari just habitually dropped the ball on True. everything after the, pretty much everything after the arcade and after the 2600 right you know they just kept failing you right. know um and what they were doing with obviously trying to make missile command 3d for the jaguar was they're trying to you know re-inject the golden sort of age into back, the home yeah. console um because they also had, uh, I mean, one of the only good games on the Jaguar is Tempest 2000. Mm, that's right. Right. Yeah. Um, based on the original Tempest. Again, David Thurr, same right, year, right. it designed Tempest 
Um, also, doesn't I feel like I also remember reading that that was based off like a nightmare that he had. It's it a based like, off dragged a night- into hell or something. Yeah, it's based off being dragged down. Yeah, through hell with demons or. Especially the dragged especially through, the side art, dragged through portholes wow. with with aliens. And yeah, especially the side art and stuff. These huh. crazy aliens and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, that came out of a uh, of a um, of a nightmare as well. Again, right. um, here we see the use of with Tempest. We see the use of the the color vector monitor, which is just oh. it's a thing of beauty. Gorgeous, fantastic. I mean, yes. literally, is a thing of beauty. Like we keep having problems it's with too our, bad with our color never works. Yeah, I was like, on uh, our Tempest I've had to <laughs> have that thing repaired four times already and but it still failed out but when it's working I mean that thing is just crisp bright beautiful and uh, it's not a trackball game right but it's the the rotary dial the rotary dial game which I feel like at least with me it gives me that same satisfaction. Oh, right. Yeah. right? Yeah, see, it gives see, me that same satisfaction. Yeah, see, all, all like you, Arknoid yeah. or, or Breakout exactly. does. It gives me that same all, satisfaction. All of you guys love the track, like the track ball. <laughs> yeah. Now, when we talk about that rotary dial, that's yeah. my <laughs> shit. Yeah. Right? That's the shit, dude. That's There's something the shit, about man. it, too, when you roll it you know, real quick. Breakout, it makes that noise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Breakout, and then we use for Tempest, and then we see it a little and bit Arkanoid. later in Arknoid. And for me, Arknoid is... The creme de la creme. Is the creme de la creme. But... I get the same satisfaction playing uh, Tempest as I do out of Missile Command. Again, David Thur, brilliant design. Um, it's just simplistic concept, resistor. right? You're going through these tunnels and right. you're shooting down these demons or these enemies or these aliens that are coming up from the depths at you. Mm. And then you warp. Once you're done to level, you warp to the next. To the level. next one, you have to avoid spikes. And then you have to avoid the enemies coming up, and you're just this weird, odd-shaped parallelogram triangle thing. Is mm-hmm. what you are. The, you're your like ship a claw. Yeah, yeah, you're like a claw yeah. almost. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, the super zap button in that game is great too. You find yourself in a little bit of trouble. You, you hit that poppy, yeah. but there's nothing like spinning that rotary thing. Yeah, man. and and right. it's got some very weird like gameplay mechanics with like with spinning it kind of fast, like when a when there's a, a certain kind of enemy that comes up to the top and they start like going around, yeah. like they start flipping. And the only way to avoid them is to time it like perfectly when they're not mm. touching okay. both legs on it and you just crank the dial okay. like past them. Huh. Like there's no other way to get past them. Yeah. So just, I don't know, there's so many weird quirks in that game that just make it huh. what it is. And I as, love far, it. as far as cabinet design goes, I, for both games that we're talking about for Missile Command and for now for Tempest. Missile Command, we had talked about before, Chris, that I just love the profile of that cabinet. Yeah. It's this short, squat little thing. It's got the speakers up on top, whatever. The side art is with the with the missiles. It's brilliant. It's simple. It's easy. But it's all in the control panel layout of that game. Short, stout, fat, wide. Right. right. You get a wide body. But when you stand up to that cabinet, right, and you play it, you feel like you are the commander at the base. Yeah, and well, you're again, it, at the panels. It feels you like know? the something about that control surface just right. feels like something that would be in a military installation. Tempest, mm-hmm. you know, standard height cabinet, mm-hmm. but not standard design cabinet. 
when you look at the profile of that cabinet, it's cut at a triangle angle. Yeah, it goes mm. down. Right? That's strange. It straight down, like somewhat of like a 45-degree cut, right? And then goes down into your, your, your regular, you know, base of your cabinet. Usually, Side art for that game is just absolutely oh, ridiculous. Incredible. Great. The top, you know, the marquee lights up beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And with both of those games, as far as from a design stand, an industrial design standpoint from the cabinet as a piece of furniture, right, or as a piece of art, mm. um, I feel like they both really stand out because I don't think there's anything, again, I don't know if there's anything like them that was made using the same, you know, using the same jig for, to cut the wood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The same, the same type know. of thing, whatever. Uh, but yeah, from that standpoint, they're, they're both really, really unique. Right, yeah. Especially yeah. from the vector monitors alone. I want to ask you this specifically, Seamus. Uh, with vector monitors, with your experience working on the arcade, do they typically become a problem or is it just bad luck with Tempest where it's just becoming a problem often? Because we have a couple different vector monitors and specifically Tempest is usually the issue. Asteroids has some issues a lot too, though. The flybacks go true. a lot on them, on the color vector when the flybacks go you're kind of like completely shit out of luck and um, then replacing the flyback is no guarantee because mm. on the yeah, vectors, you can replace something. fly flyback, it'll fry again right. because you could have another problem that you're not seeing. You know, my first inclination is replace the flyback. You know, uh, with Tempest, we've gotten a rash of really poorly made flybacks probably mm-hmm. from the company that we use but it's because they got a batch of bad flybacks from overseas you know they're just kind of resellers in a sense so um but vector monitors are notoriously uh a lot more difficult to work on i try not to tamper with them too much which is why we have our monitor guy come in when i need when i, I when I have a major problem with the vector monitor. I just pretty much call him right away because I'm like, I don't know if I want to mess with that because they're not that commonplace. You know, you got to realize too, like the black and white vector and the color vector, you stop seeing them being used by about 83 or so, I feel like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is you they're can't They're not just used that much. So... Yeah, they're, for me, to me, they're notoriously difficult to work on. I yeah. wonder, do you think that's the case why they kind of went away from vector monitors because of how difficult it was to repair them or how expensive it was to keep it's, up with the upkeep? I think they were the more monitor. expensive to make. It's very, least. very possible, okay. but I think exactly what Christian yeah. said. I think they're very expensive to make. Because they're I beautiful think, looking. They're, they're I mean, the best yeah. monitors you can see. I mean, listen, guys, for me, you know, from a maintenance standpoint, um, I couldn't afford to go out and if we had a color vector monitor or even a black and white vector monitor, it just blew the hell up. Like right. legit blew up. You can't salvage it. It gets its necked or whatever the hell happened to it. Yeah. And under advice of any other tech, they're like, just put a new monitor in it. Dude, you go to get a refurbished working black and white or color vector monitor for an Atari game. You look at between 450 and $600 to buy that monitor. And then, you know, shipping, forget it. Whereas your standard 19-inch color monitor 
for Pac-Mans and Defenders and things of that nature, they're a dime a dozen, right? right. So yeah. you could get those. I mean, I know plenty of people where I could get 19-inch raster monitors for 50 bucks every day, all day yeah. long. Because well, they're like, here, just take this, you know, whatever. We just trade and swap for it. And then I'll just rebuild the chassis, whatever's wrong with the chassis, because it's just easier. Yeah. You know? The other thing is the parts are easier to come by for a CRT. Yes. Right? Because yeah. for a vector monitor, it's completely different. You have to source it for a vector. Mm -hmm. Where with a CRT, I mean, even if you need to salvage parts out of a you know, a, a home television, yeah, you like can get those for $4 buy. at the thrift store. There are, you know? there are some, there and are, you can do that yep. for some cabinet. There are some old CRT TVs that are actual, like perfect drop-ins too. Right. Okay. They yeah. actually work really well for perfect drop-ins for right. cocktails and cabarets at the 13 inch. Right. And your 19 inch, there's some that are like legit perfect swaps. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Or even that you could pull parts from if yeah. you had to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, legit. Whereas with the vectors, I mean, as far as I know, the only like home, uh, like application of Vectrex. a vector was the Vectrex. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you had the arcade machines, and then you had the Vectrex, and other than that, vectors are for industrial. People usage, as far really as I know. loved the Vectrex at that time because it was all encased in one, right? Right. Yeah. So you didn't have to take up the family TV or right. your console. You had your old console and TV, but. Even at that time, guys, that I don't, I can't recall what the Vectrex cost, but I know it was oh, probably oh yeah, well, insane. one we, of the we way more expensive yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. That we looked it up a couple of videos ago, and it was the same exact price as a PS5, right? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah adjusted right. for five hundred bucks, yeah, five hundred dollars. That's for that's for, that's, a, that's a ton brutal. of money. No, not adjusted for inflation. Oh, I think. Yeah, no, it wasn't really. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even adjusted. Because so, well, because oh I God. think we looked it up. The Atari price was something like a hundred or two hundred dollars at the time, which for inflation is like eight hundred dollars. Yeah. So the Vectrex was like yeah. five hundred yeah. at the time, right. which is like fifteen hundred yeah. bucks or yeah. something. <laughs> God, you're looking at buying practically a gaming PC at that right. point. Well, yeah. I want to wrap up Commodore sixty four. <laughs> Yeah, we can wrap C64. it up. C64. Okay. Yeah, 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 we can wrap say it up. Something to wrap it up if you want. So that wraps up our episode on Missile Command and its effects on the gaming industry and uh, some other tangents that we might have gone on. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to check out our other episodes if you like this one. Thank you for tuning in to the Arcade Age Exhibit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with our hosts, Seamus, Zach, Jake, Sean, Chris, and Jose. Tune in next week, and remember, the future is now.